first-time missionary. She hasn't been to the field yet. She's getting ready to go, and we're going to help her on her way to make that possible. So let me in. Come on. I want to make sure I say it right. Laquita. Laquita. Okay, that's why I want to have you make sure I got it right. <laughs> We're so happy to have her with us tonight. And uh, just to take care of say what you've got in your heart to us. And... Hi, everybody. How are you? I'm kind of glad that there's not that many people here because that like, totally takes the pressure off. So that's really good. Okay, so my name is Lakira Klinkscale. I am 23 years old, and I am a missionary associate to Peru. And what's exciting about being a missionary associate is that means that I get to go underneath a missionary that's there. They've got a ministry, and they have a vision, and I just get to fit in somewhere and move and bring that vision to fullness. So I am going with a team. I will not be alone, which is exciting. That's usually the first thing people ask. Are you going by yourself? No, I'm going to be protected. It's going to be fine. So I will be serving um, alongside a team that is focused on reaching the unreached people groups that live along the Amazon River. And the Amazon is huge in South America. It stretches all the way from basically one side of the country to the other. And we will be focusing on just the different tribes that live in Peru. There's villages that are anywhere from two hours away from where we'll be stationed in Peru to three or four days away, even up into Ecuador. So it's going to be really exciting. And when we're not on the Amazon looking for tribes and wanting to tell them about Jesus, we'll be in the city creating outreaches for college-age students and orphans and all of these different things. So officially on paper, what I have been told is that I'll be going to be a part of the um, raising up of a children's ministry program because there hasn't been one before now. Um, but that could always change as soon as I get there. You just never know. So I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do. And I'm really excited to be here with you guys tonight. So this is a really big pulpit. I'm just going to not stand behind it. Um, <laughs> do, you ha- do you guys have your Bibles tonight? Awesome. Awesome, awesome. So we're going to be meeting with one another in um, Exodus chapter 33. And that's just where I've been praying and I just feel like the Lord has given me permission to just camp out right here. I'm really excited to just jump right into that. So being a missionary means that you get to do all kinds of new and exciting things and speaking at churches and having messages to preach on Wednesday nights are like one of those new and exciting things so this is really fun to be able to just sit down with the Lord and say okay I've been reading this and you want me to share it with people so what should we share well as I was reading Exodus chapter 33 something and it really really stuck out to me and at risk of moving too quickly are you guys all there? So, as I was reading it, one thing really stuck out to me that really, really, really just set my heart on fire. And there's this little conversation that Moses has with the Lord. And just a little bit of backdrop about what's going on in Exodus chapter 33. The Israelites have been out in the wilderness at this point, and God has come to them and he's saying, It's 
time for you to go into the promised land. You've been here for this long amount of time. It's time for you to go. Get ready. Get your things. You're crossing into the Jordan. You're crossing the Jordan. You're going. It's going to be awesome. But I'm not going with you because you guys are so hard-headed and so stiff-necked and so filled with complaining that if I went with you for even a moment, I would destroy you. That's not a great conversation to have. Wow. (laughs) And so I'm reading all this, and I'm like, God, you're pretty intense. I don't ever want you to say those words to me. There's this beautiful conversation that Moses has. He says before the Lord, he's like, okay, calm down. Wait, let's talk this through. Let's talk this through. And he says, God, I know that I have found favor with you. You treat me like a friend. We speak to one another face to face. So if I have found favor with you, Lord, teach me your ways so that I may continue to find favor with you. And that verse about knocked me over because there are so few times in our culture right now, or just in life in general, that we say to the Lord, because I have found favor with you, teach me your ways. So I just wanted to camp out there because I think what we hear more often is, God, because I have found favor with you, bless me with something else. Because I have found favor with you, make my problems go away. Now that I've worked hard and I've found favor with you, fix my heart, fix my life. But for Moses to say, I have found favor with you, Lord, and the reward for that favor is that I want to know more of you, just completely took me apart, and I loved it. So as I continued to read on about what happened after this, it was just, oh my goodness, God is so good. So, (coughs) if you don't mind, we're going to go down to verse 12 in Exodus 33. And it says, Moses said to the Lord, Look, you say to me, make these people move on, but you haven't let me know whom you will be sending with me. Nevertheless, you have said, I know you by name, and also you have found favor in my sight. Now please, if it is really the case that I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways, so that I will understand you and continue finding favor in your sight. Moreover, keep on seeing this nation as your people. And what Moses has done here, as he stood before the Lord and reminded him of the relationship that they have, he's effectively taken himself and stood in the gap, stood in the place of the people Israel. Do you remember when Abraham's going, and he's speaking to the Lord, and God's saying, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says, well, if there's just 25 righteous people, will you not destroy the city? And he runs, and he tries to find 25 righteous, and there's not. And he goes from 25 to 15 to 10 to 5 to 1. And so here, right now, we're seeing that 1. Moses is standing in the gap and saying, don't look at them. Look at me. Just focus on me. We have a relationship, and if you can do this with me, you can do this with these other na- with the rest of this nation. Just keep your eyes on me, just as like God tells us to keep our eyes on me. And I love this because what it really is is a picture of Christ right here in the book of Exodus. Already, we're seeing God breathing life into that promise that Jesus is going to come. And Moses isn't going to have to risk his life for these people anymore. Jesus is going to come. And it's not going to be to convince God to go with us. God is giving us the promise that he's going to choose to come with us already. And so I'm just loving this as I'm reading it. And we're just going to continue on. We're in verse 14. He answered... Set your mind at rest. My presence will go with you after all. Love it. 
Because what God is saying here, right now, after everything, the promise, the joy, the gift, the reward is not that you're going to get to go into the promised land. It's not that you're going into the land flowing with milk and honey. That's not the reward. The reward is, I'm going to go with you. And I love that. And you know why I love that? Because God knows that he's great. God does not have any crises of identity. He knows that he's great, and he knows that he's the best thing for our heart. He will never recommend something else to us. Oh, Moses, I'm glad that you like me. Well, now that you like me, here's a nation. No, now that you like me, here's more of me. There's nothing better in this world for us than the Lord, and he's not going to recommend something else. And so I love that. I just completely love it, and it's such a reminder to me. Like, when I get down in my prayer closet, when I'm alone, when my days are going absolutely insane, and I'm seeking things of the Lord, am I seeking him first because he's worth being sought, or am I seeking him because his storehouses are full? And sometimes we confuse the two. He's never a means to an end. He is the end and the beginning. He is it all. There's nothing that he has that means more than who he is. Nothing. So Moses replies in chapter in verse 15. If your presence doesn't go with us, don't make us go on from here. <laughs> Those are the best words I think ever spoken, aside from, behold, the child is born and we're going to be saved, praise the Lord. But if your presence doesn't go up with us, don't make us go. The rest of Israel was not agreeing with Moses at this point. They had been... Uh, we're not even going to get into the history of Israel in the, in the wilderness right now. But Moses is saying to the Lord, I don't care what's on the other side of this. I don't care that a promise is about to be fulfilled that you gave to our ancestors hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I don't care that you raised me up for this. I don't care that you're getting ready to blow us away and fulfill all of our dreams. If you're not going with us, I would rather die in this wilderness than go. I don't want to go without you. If you are not going to be with us, don't send us up from here. For how else is it to be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, other than by you going with us? This is what distinguishes us, me and your people, from all the other peoples on earth. God responds to this, and I'm going to tell you why he responds to this. God's response to this is so beautiful, and I love it. But God responds to this because what Moses just said to the Lord is what God has been doing with the people of Israel. He just recited back to him his plan. The reason God set them apart was so that the rest of the world would know what it looks like when a people group, a nation, lives in covenant and commitment to their God. There was no other model for this on earth. Nowhere else on earth were people living in covenant relationship with a holy being. And there didn't have to be a man that said they were a god. They didn't have to do weird stuff with each other. They didn't have to cut themselves or paint their bodies or sacrifice their kids in fire. Nowhere else on earth was this being done. Where a divine ruler was saying, go out in the wilderness, I will lead you. So Moses was saying, God... I know what your heart is. I know what your plan is. I know that it is your desire to show the nations who you are. And why does God ever want to show the nations who he is? Not because he wants bragging rights. Not because he feels the need to make himself feel better. He wants to show the nations who he is so that they'll come. 
run to him because, again, he is the best thing for our hearts. So this, this idea of giving God the glory, it just goes around and around. We give God the glory so that other people can see it, so that they will understand that he is a good father. And it just goes around and around and around and around. And always his purpose has been to draw people unto himself. And so at this point, after Moses has said, I know you want to kill us. I know you don't want to talk to us. But remember the plan. We are flawed and we are broken people. But you have set us apart so that you can show what this looks like to the rest of the world. Do you remember? God sighs, calms down a little bit. I don't know if he really calms down when he's perfect. He does what he wants. And he says, this lump of clay that I created is rather smart. I like this conversation. So the Lord says to Moses in verse 17, I will also do what you have asked me to do, because you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. But Moses said, I beg you to show me your glory. How many people have heard the story of the the glory of the Lord passing before Moses? I think this is something that we're all very familiar with, but it wasn't until I actually went back to this chapter and realized what that story had come from. Because at the beginning of this chapter, the Lord is saying, I'm so fed up with this nation, I'm not even going to go with them. And here, God is saying, I'm going to show you all my glory. And it is amazing how we get from the first verse to the 17th verse of this scripture, of this passage, of this history, here and now. And what it took was a willingness and an obedience and a humility that recognized that God was the greatest thing that we could have on this earth. God, why would God show his glory to a person who didn't even think it was that great? He didn't say to Moses, rest and I'll show you the land that will be coming out before you. He said, I will show you my glory. And I just think that is amazing. So let's continue and see what the Lord did. In verse 19, the Lord says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you. And in your presence, I will pronounce the name of the Lord. Which is amazing because the Hebrews believe that God's name is so holy it is never to be spoken. And even traditionally in scripture, the translations that we have of it are not true translations. It's been obscured a little bit so that no one ever accidentally says the name of the Lord. So for God himself to say, I'm going to cause my glory to pass in front of you and proclaim my own name before you. That's a huge deal. And he's not going to identify himself by any of the ways before. God's going to call, God's going to tell Moses what he calls himself. That is amazing. Moreover, I show favor to whomever I will and I display mercy to whomever I will. But he continued, you cannot see because a human being cannot look at me and remain alive. Here, he said, is a place near me, stand on the rock. And I was almost tempted to break those two up, but I didn't. Because, again, that prophetic significance. When I read that scripture where the Lord says, my glory is going to pass in front of you, but you can't see my face because no one who sees me may live. But 
here stand on the rock. It's like, here we are again, talking about Jesus again. Here God is again, affirming that promise that a Messiah is going to come. And so that immediately pushed me thousands of years into biblical history when all of a sudden a little baby was born whose name literally meant God with us. And now the glory of the Lord is passing in front of us. Now the glory of the Lord is dressed like we are. Now the glory of the Lord is not just looking us in our face, but holding our hands and healing our sickness. And this time you don't die from seeing God face to face. This time you get eternal life. This time you live. Glory to God. Glory to God. And, and, and if we ever forget who it is that brings this closeness and this oneness, all we have to do is remember the words of the Lord in Exodus. Stand on the rock. Now here is something new that you can stand upon that will cause all of this to be seen by you. That rock is Christ. Now we don't have to go into a temple and hope that we made our daily sacrifices and we won't be murdered before we get there. Now we don't have to fear the presence of God and stay away because we're not clean. Now we can come into the presence of the Lord. Why? Because he initiated this conversation. He, he initiated this relationship. There is nothing that we can have done as human beings to initiate relationship with God in the way that we have it now. Everything that we did, everything that we could have done would have kept us separated. But God himself said, that's enough. You cannot fix this, but I will. I'm going to fix this. You are going to be in me. My glory will walk with you. Not even just walk with you, but live in you. And all you have to do is stand on the rock. Glory. Glory. That is the presence of God. Glory. (laughs) Verse 22. When my glory passes by... I will put you inside a crevice in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face is not to be seen. And I just love how that continues to underscore and highlight this place in history that we are now. Now, none of us in here have got to see Jesus face to face, but we will one day, and that's awesome. That's so awesome. We didn't get to see him when he walked on the earth. Push pause. Sorry, because I just like to remind myself. Jesus did not even walk on this side of the earth. He walked all the way on the other side of the earth 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. But you're here today. You're in this church tonight with 40-degree weather outside, supposed to be ice on the ground. You are here right now. Why? What brings you to this place? We have no earthly reason to serve a king that we never saw. No earthly reason to serve a king whom persecution followed throughout the centuries. But here we are. You are a walking miracle, my friend. You are an absolute miracle. You are what God was wanting to do. And so here on this missions night, we get to talk about the fact that we ourselves are products of missions. As we consider sending back to the side of the world, not back to the side of the world, but some missionaries come in and go back to the lands of Jesus. I'm not that lucky just yet, but we get to talk about how what has been done for us, we're going to do for other people in the world. And right now, that doesn't look like people who have smartphones. In some cases, it does, but that means going to people that have been for centuries completely unreachable, completely 
think about the people that I'm going to go and, and spend my life with in Peru, it just completely blows my mind. Because there's no other way, reason, rhyme, time, purpose that I would ever connect with or interact with people who still live tribally, hunting the land and exposed midriffs and other areas of their body that they don't work living and chanting and speaking languages that are not even written anymore. None but Jesus makes that something that 23-year-old says, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. 2018 New Year's resolutions, can't wait. Only the Lord does that. And as crazy as that sounds, that's literally how crazy it sounds for us to be here today. That's exactly how crazy it sounds. You guys fought through so much to get through this story. One of my favorite preachers right now is Andrew Romack. And one of the things that he said is, the American lifestyle is not conducive to a relationship with God. Because we have so many things that take up our time. And if you're not busy, you don't have something taking up your time, you've got a phone that can do everything that a computer can do, and you can sit and stare at it for hours and just waste your time. Just because you don't have to look for your food, you don't have to gather your water, you can literally sit in the same spot, have your food delivered to you, have your entertainment ready, talk to all of your friends in Connecticut and Missouri, and never leave your couch. And these are the kinds of lives that we have the opportunity to live, but instead, we're in the house of God. And the reason I say these kinds of things is because sometimes I feel like the children of God tend to carry this burden on their back. I know I did it when I was a teacher. I taught every level of student for four years. And as a teacher, I constantly felt, I am not doing it right. I'm not doing this enough. I'm failing my students as a teacher. There's so many things that I could be doing better. I could be happier. I could be nicer. I could be kinder. I can have better lesson plans. And I think we tend to approach the Lord that way, too. And we, we start this thing backwards. And we say, okay, I was scum. I was dirt. I was filthy. I was filled with sin. And Jesus gave his life for me to start a relationship with me. Now that we're in that relationship and I am the righteousness of God in Christ, I must strive every single day to prove to him that I'm worthy of his affection. And we do this, and it sounds so crazy because we don't have to. Now I'm not saying live a life of sin. Please don't do that. Please walk in repentance and holiness because it pleases the Lord. Please don't confuse my words. But that burden of I'm still just not good enough, I had to start doing a test this year um, well, last year, because this year just started. But I had to start doing this test where at the bare basics, when something began to come into my heart and start dictating how I felt about myself, I would say, does that sound like something that God would say? Period. If it didn't sound like something that God would say, I checked it. That's it. You're lazy, you're incompetent, you're a liar, you're not good at anything that you do, you're never going to raise this budget, that's a lie. I said, that is not the voice of the Lord. I checked it. And then you begin to go back and you say, okay, God, what are the things that you are speaking to me and how can I walk in line with you? And the reason I love this message so much is because I think it just shows that relationship with the Lord so perfectly. Here's Moses, a simple man, and the Lord says, here's my glory, I'm going to show it to you. 
you. You can stand in the gap for this entire nation. These are sinful people, but I'm going to continue to walk with them, and I love this. I completely and totally love it. And it's just a reminder that though we are flesh, though we are dirt, we are prized possessions to the Lord. And if you didn't start 2018 thinking that, I want you to begin to think that. I want you to begin to walk out of here thinking that you are a prized relation, you're a prized possession to the Lord, the relationship that he has with you, he values. I want you to think that, and I think that for so many of us in here, that's a hard thing to think. It is, and it's difficult. It's hard for us to say, what, God just likes me? Say that out loud, God likes me. Not God loves me, God likes me. Put it on your, put your hand on your heart, just say, God likes me. And for all of the reasons that you think he likes you, that's not why he likes you. He doesn't like you because you're righteous. He doesn't like you because you gave to that homeless guy 45 minutes ago. He doesn't like you because you stopped watching those trashy movies. He doesn't like you because you cut off all those friends. You're never going to get their lives right with the Lord. He doesn't like you for any of those reasons. He likes you because he made you. He made you on purpose. On purpose. He didn't have to make you. He made you on purpose. He literally said in heaven, he was like, I'm going to give this person 5,423,832 years. And they're going to have a relationship with me, and I'm going to be pleased with them. In the book of Ephesians, it talks about the church being the manifold wisdom of God in the heavenly realms. And the first time that I read that, I was like, well, that's a lot of big words. I don't know what that means. So I prayed through it. I said, Lord, what does this mean that the church is the manifold wisdom of God in the heavenly realms? And he says, there are things in the heavenly realms, angels, demons, the winged creatures, the creatures with eyes all over them. There are things in the heavenly realm that we don't see. And the only thing that exists outside of that heavenly realm that has a relationship with them is us. And we are made of dirt. Like, he breathed life into dirt. That's how we got here. And so when we choose to come out before the Lord on a 40-degree night or a 32-degree night, when we choose to spend our Sunday mornings with the Lord and not watching the Super Bowl, when we choose to be in the presence of God when we can be doing any other thing, God is in heaven going, see, this was not a failed experiment. This is going to be awesome. Look at these people living their lives. They don't see me face-to-face every day. They're not watching my glory every day, but I'm with them, and they want to please me. Look, and he's proud, and you are God's handiwork. You are his workmanship, and you're showing me all. There's a record of all the awesome things you've ever done, and also bad things, too. That's just the good But he loves you so much, and I just love that. And I don't know where that came from, because that was not in my notes, but God does love you very, very, very much, and I love you, too, because I'm a child of God. So, oh. Let's just take a deep breath together. So, I just completely love this. We have completely gone through the story of Exodus and God's favor and how it points to Jesus and the goodness of life and the goodness of our Father and how He knows that He is the absolute greatest treasure that He could ever give us. And if you don't believe that, let's start believing that. In 2018, let's believe that God is what God wants to offer us. Let's believe that. That God's not on the throne waiting to give us more stuff. He just isn't. Why? Because that stuff doesn't come into heaven with us. And God didn't create a place in heaven for that stuff. He created a place in heaven for us. Which is wild, if you think.
just love this Heavenly Father that we get to serve. And I love you guys, and that's really it to me. So thank you for being with me and listening to me talk about the Word of God. And 